0: Welcome to Built To Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time we're going to start with a contest and then we're going to solve the conundrum of high top or low top, which is better, which is better for you. We're also going to take a trip to Oregon, talk about Ikea e furniture and discuss ways to separate the front of your van from the back of your van with a curtain. Thanks for coming, I really appreciate you being here. This is episode 28 of Built to go and uh, let's just get right into the contest, huh? because that's what you're all here for, isn't it? You do not care about anything I have to say at this point, you just want to enter this contest! N- well, maybe not, but maybe you will after we're done here. I built a van, and I had lots of leftover parts, because when you're building a van... You might be like me and be a little bit eager with that buy now button and buy things that you think you're going to need, or maybe you do need them, but they don't fit. So you have to buy them again. Like I've said before, I'm on my third bed for my van. And one of those things I bought that I don't need is a solar charge controller. This is one of three solar charge controllers that I have bought. The first one I blew up, I will admit And the third one is the one I'm using now, which is a nice fancy Renegy MPPT controller. But in between those two, I did buy another one, and this is a PWM solar charge controller. Very nice unit. It's actually one of the better PWM models, and this would be suitable for somebody with a 50-watt to 100-watt setup. You know, Something very simple, not going crazy here, doesn't have any of the Bluetooth stuff, but listen to the stuff this thing has it has a temperature sensor for the battery which is nice it has its own on off power button it has two usb ports that you can just plug right into and suck off the solar or the battery if it's at night 2.4 amps total there so you can do two basically two one amp charges or one 2.4 amp charge that's pretty standard it also has an unusual feature which is two 12 volt outlets and these are not the uh, cigarette lighter plug kind they're the barrel plug kind and It comes with the adapters for those, or the wires, basically. You have to wire them up. It's got everything you could want. It is actually a really nice unit. It's about the size of an 8-track tape. Okay. It's about the size of a small peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it has a nice LED screen that tells you everything. So anyway... This is a really, really nice controller, and the only reason I'm giving it away is because I have my MPPT controller. I'm not taking it out, and I have no reason to use this thing. And even though I am thinking about building another van, I probably will buy something different. So, this is yours if you win the contest. But wait! There's more. For everybody who enters the contest, I will send you a sticker. I know, it's not very exciting. And, and it's not a built-to-go sticker. I don't have any built-to-go stickers. But I do have a very special College of Curiosity sticker that is affectionately known as Hook Waka a Bang. I won't explain that now because it'll take too much time. But this is a logo that I came up with years ago that is basically a question mark followed by a greater than sign and then followed by an exclamation point. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a reminder that maybe we should question things a bit before we react to them. And that's a nice final sticker suitable for the outside of your van. So every single person who enters the contest will get one of those stickers, including the winner. And oh, wait, how do you win? Here's how you win. Send me an email to jeff at built2go.com. There's two T's in built2go. Two T's, not three, not one. Two T's in built to go Jeff at built2go.com. And you have to give me a tip, a story, something that I will be entertained by or struck by that will make me include it in the next episode or maybe the two episodes from now, that's how you win. Basically, I'm just going to pick somebody that I like. You do have to send me your address, and sadly, you do have to live in the United States. I'm terribly sorry about that. If you would like a sticker and you live in Canada, just let me know and I'll send you a sticker, but I won't be able to mail this thing to Canada it's not that big, it's just, it's expensive to mail to Canada. I'm sorry about that. Contest ends July 7th. So that's it. That's all you need to do. Send me your address at jeff at built I am not going to use your address for anything other than to mail this. I'm not going to save it. You're not going to get added into any databases or anything like that. This is just for fun. I'm not running a business here. You don't really have anything to worry about. Okay, that said, let's move on. So let's talk about high tops versus low tops. No, we're not talking about sneakers. We're talking about vans, of course, because that is what we talk about. Yeah, high tops let you stand up in them. That's pretty cool, but there are cons to consider. So let's talk about the pros and cons of having a high top. First, let me let you know where I'm coming from. I have an NV200, very small van, which is a low top. You can get high tops for NV200s. They're rare and obviously don't come from the factory. But in my van, I can't stand up. I can't even come close. In fact, if I stand up with my knees straight and bent over like I'm touching my toes, which is harder and harder to do, I am nearly hitting the ceiling with my back. That's how much space I have. I'm six feet tall, and uh, that's actually a little bit of a disadvantage in van life. I think you're better off being on the smaller side of things. But that said, I'm fairly comfortable in there. I don't feel cramped. Very rare is it that I'm like, geez, I wish I had more ceiling space. So that said, when I'm in vans that have ceiling space, it's a completely different feel. I feel like I'm in a home rather than a vehicle. So should you get the high top? Let's talk about it. So let's set a baseline of what we're talking about here. And I want to use the Ford Transit for that because the Ford Transit comes in three different roof heights. There is the standard van and from the outside of the van, it's seven feet tall. Just to give you an idea how big this is. This is a full-size van. Inside the standard transit van, I couldn't come close to standing up. I mean, there'd be more space than the NV200, but no, I can't stand up. Uh, Someone who's about five feet tall might be able to stand up okay. Then they have a mid-roof height. On the outside, that's about eight feet tall. And on the inside, it's about six feet tall. Although I have to say that being six feet tall, I can't stand up completely in the mid-height roof Ford Transit. I have to bend my head a bit. I can walk, you know, it's doable, but I wouldn't want to be standing in there all day. That would be very uncomfortable. Of course, why would you do that? You're in a van. Then there is the high top, which on the outside of the van is nine feet tall, which is pretty darn tall, and on the inside is seven feet tall. And yeah, I can totally deal with seven feet. I'm only six feet. So that's kind of what you're thinking. That's your range there. And the Sprinters are similar and the ProMasters are similar, but only the Transit has the three heights. To uh, compare these to a, say, a minivan, a Dodge Caravan, the standard minivan, is only 69 inches tall from the outside. I mean, that's less than six feet. I can see over the top of a Dodge Caravan. So these vehicles are definitely bigger than minivans. My NV200 is about six six two on the outside. All right enough of the measurements, let's talk about the pros and cons. Number one pro of having a high top is you can stand. And there are times when you want to stand. So that's fairly obvious, but that also gives you more space for cabinets. You can hang cabinets from the ceiling or from the wall near the ceiling in high top vans. And you can't really do that in the low ones. I mean, I could kind of sort of do that in my NV200, but those cabinets wouldn't be high. They would actually be low because that's where the ceiling is it's so low in fact that i couldn't say put a cooker under them or anything it's so it really wouldn't make any sense you also have more space for windows a nice thing you can do in a high top van is put the windows in the high top that lets the light in but also keeps your privacy because people aren't really going to be able to look in there it might be cooler in a high top because you've got more vertical space, giving more space for heat to rise. So if you're sleeping near the bottom of the van, the hot air is going to be at the top of the van, and that might be more comfortable. And because there's that air space in there, it's not as stuffy. You're in a bigger space. That air is going to be bigger. It's bigger air and that can feel better. And, and this may or may not be something you care about. You will get better resale value from a high top high tops command premium. So that all sounds wonderful, and at this point, you should be thinking, well, why wouldn't I get a high top? All that is great. Here are some reasons why you might not want to get a high top. You can just give up on parking garages. My NV200 with its solar panels on and all the stuff on the roof is about 6'8", and I have trouble fitting in parking garages in that. None of the Ford Transits are going to fit in most of the parking garages in Chicago, even the low roof one. The high roof one, forget it there is nothing. So you're going to give up a big parking option in cities. might not matter to you, but it might. Also, low-hanging trees are a problem. I know on my street here in Chicago, we have a number of trees right at the curb, and a nine-foot van is going to whack into those. Even in ways you might not think, I'm not just talking about low-hanging branches, I'm talking about trees that are just leaning a little bit. It is not hard to whack that upper right corner on something. And at nine feet, you're in danger of hitting things like street signs. So something to consider. And that nine feet, I mean, that's just the roof. If you want to add solar panels or vents or, say, an RV air conditioner, you could be adding as much as another foot to that roof. That's really high. You're talking about a 10-foot-tall vehicle then. And, you know, if you wanted to put stuff on the roof like you added a roof rack, you would need a ladder and probably some help because that's way up there and uh, you can forget about having any kind of a deck generally because fiberglass roofs are not really strong enough to walk on i mean like not even close also fiberglass itself is a difficult material to work with as far as attaching things to it if you have a sheet metal roof you can actually screw things into it to some extent light things but if you have a fiberglass roof you can't screw anything into it. Fiberglass doesn't hold screws. So everything you do is going to have to be a nut and bolt. And then you've got the worry of those holes you've made are, can expand because you're dealing with a fibrous material. So you have to be very careful in how you attach things to a fiberglass roof. It's, it's a much bigger problem. In the winter, you're going to be colder in a high top because that same phenomenon that helps you in the summer will work against you in the winter, unless you mount your bed way up high, which you can do. That's an option you have. And another thing, they're less stealthy. People are going to see a high top and they're going to pay more attention to them than they are a low top van. And like I said before, money is an issue. You can get a, well, not only is it money, um, you can get a low top van for much less money than a high top, but you also have more selection You're going to be able to find more different vans that are low tops. And because of that, not only does the price go down, you're going to be able to find more of what you're looking for. Like if it's a low mileage van or one that's a particular color or one that has features that you want. So all that considered, you have to make a decision now, if you can. It's probably best to buy a new van with a high top as you'll get that factory installed high top, which is the best you can get. Basically, it's permanently attached to the vehicle and it's done in the factory and it has a warranty and all that. But if you want to add a high top to an existing vehicle, it can be done. But know this, adding a fiberglass roof to a vehicle costs between six dollars and $8,000 and there's likely a big wait for it. And sure, you can find a used high top. I mean, just because the van caught fire doesn't mean the roof is ruined. Well, I guess that depends. Just because the van was in an accident doesn't mean the roof is ruined. So sure, you could probably find a high top at a junkyard, maybe from an old uh, wheelchair car or something like that. But the logistics of taking it off and bringing it somewhere and then putting it on a new van are beyond me. I would think you'd need about four people and a big trailer and then four ladders And then four more people and a lot of caulking and rivets and however else you're going to attach it plus you'd be cutting out an an enormous piece of sheet metal from your roof and some of that sheet metal is structural it's not just there to keep the rain off your head. It is actually holding the box of the van together. So in some cases, you might need to think about attaching struts. Combi Life ran into this with their Volkswagen, where it has a high top. so Volkswagen bus with a high top. But it actually caused the vehicle to lose stability, and the box flexed, uh, which he fixed. But he had to get some custom sheet metal made to do that. The one thing we haven't talked about, which is an interesting option, is the, the compromise. That would be a pop-top. This would be a low-top van when you wanted it to be, and a high-top van when you needed it to be. You just pop up the roof. Now, these typically have fabric along the sides, so, you know, that's not going to be very insulative in the winter. But on the other hand, they usually have zippered screens in the top, and you can open those and get tons of ventilation. And they come in two basic types you've got the type that the roof just pops up flat and then you've got the angled kind where you have this really really big roof on one end and then it angles down and touches your existing roof and usually those have a sleeping option up there so you actually end up with another bed if you want to do that those are eight to ten thousand dollars to install and again there's usually a big weight yeah you could probably do it yourself but you've got the same problems and the pop top roofs are much heavier what about DIY? What if you want to make your own high top? Yep, you can do it. People do it all the time. People do it f- out of everything from plywood to, and this has been done more than once, using a rowboat. Yep, you find a rowboat with flat gunnels. That's the part on the top of the side of the boats. Attach it to the roof of your van, cut out the hole, and boom, you've got a high top. It might look a little funny looking up and seeing oar locks and seats, but you know you're on your own for that. The interesting thing about doing the boat option is that because boats have to be hydrodynamic to move in the water, they're also somewhat aerodynamic. So it doesn't look that weird, depending. Anyway, those are my thoughts on high tops and low tops. Again, you, you might not believe me, but I am perfectly content with a low top. And I think my next vehicle is going to also be a low top, but Hey, maybe I'm missing something. Let me know if you think I'm crazy. I am cool with that. Do what's right for you and go into it knowing what you're doing. Tech talk. Let's talk about hanging curtain dividers. Another exciting topic here on Built to Go. Eh, I have said many times that I think it is a good idea to be able to get to the front of the van from the back. And that means a lot of the dividers that come with vans have to go. Uh, Some of them have doors, but that seems to be fairly rare. My NV200 had a solid steel partition that I could see through, but I couldn't walk through, so out it went. Plus, it took up too much space. So after a whole lot of trial and error, I decided that the best thing for my van was a thermal privacy curtain hung by a shower rod. This can work in any van, and what I'm about to tell you is, is pretty simple. But basically, you get one of those tension shower rods and that is your curtain rod. And you're just gonna tension that between the walls of the van. Now, depending on the configuration of your van, that's gonna look different. In my van, I had to cut an X into the headliner on either side, and then put the shower curtain rod in those holes, and then I twisted it to tighten. So the headliner isn't holding it up, but it actually makes it kind of a nice, neat looking insulation then. And then the curtain itself is just a Walmart thermal curtain that actually does a really good job of keeping the heat in the back and keeping the light out. And then most people will do two panels, right? So you have a right panel and a left panel. You spread them apart to walk through. You push them together if you want the privacy. And what I recommend you do is find a way to attach magnets. Not Velcro, not snaps, but magnets work best. You can buy magnets that are donut shaped and then sew them in, or you can maybe try to hot glue them. Or if you're a handy seamstress, you can actually just sew them into the seams. But once you do that, it's dead simple to close it and open it. You never have to worry about anything snagging or ripping or anything like that. And that's really all there is to it. I got the idea from Nate at Element Van Life and his nv 200. He had a curtain and uh, it has been pretty good. It doesn't block all the light. Some light can sneak over the top, but I've done tests where I've put on the rear lights and then walked around the van, and unless you're really trying, you can't see in there very much. At night, I tend to use my red LED lights, and that's really, really hard to see. So, very inexpensive solution for a divider that you can do yourself without any skill. The shower curtain rod and thermal curtain solution. Tails! from the road. Okay, here's a really quick one. I was in Eugene, Oregon. It was my very first time, and I went to a conference there and had a great time, and I had a rental car, and I was like, you know, uh, if if you know the geography of Oregon, Eugene is not on the coast. You've got the coast, and then you've got some mountains, and then there's a flat part, and that's where Eugene is. So I thought I'd rent the car and drive over to Florence, which is kind of in the middle of the coast, and then drive up to Astoria, and then back down to Portland, and fly home from Portland rather than Eugene. And I just i have heard so many wonderful things about driving the oregon coast that i was all excited so i finished with my conference i got in the car bought a new cd because this was a long time ago and i'm driving along and i start heading into the mountains and it starts to get pretty and then it starts to get weird because all the trees there are perfectly lined up in rows and as you're driving by it gets this weird strobe effect the trees here are planted and used for wood pulp, so they're planted evenly. It doesn't look like a normal forest. All the trees are exactly the same tree, same size in rows, but it was an interesting drive. And I'm going higher and higher over the mountains and then I can see it. I'm about to cross over into the ocean side of the state and I get to the top and look and I see a cloud. And I'm like, "Uh, all right, it's a cloud. No big deal. And I go down and down and down and down and down. And you go down for a very, very long time. And then I pull in and I'm still in the cloud. Now, this is a problem because you can't see through clouds. I'm like, all right, that's okay. So I start driving north and I drive all the way north and I'm still in the cloud. Yes, folks, I drove nearly the full length of the Oregon coastline and never saw the ocean. Not once. Didn't see it. I went by all those picturesque things you see on the Oregon coast and didn't see a darn thing. So you know what that means. I have to go back and do it again. Product Review! I'm going to review a very specific cabinet at IKEA because it's weird and somewhat suited to vans with some caveats. So. Ikea makes stuff that's usually made out of particle board. Very heavy, very brittle, very water-bad, water is bad, kind of quote-unquote wood. Typically not great for vans. It's not very durable, doesn't like to be moved, but not all of their stuff is made out of this material. They have a line called Eket, or actually they say Eket, E-K-E-T. And these are cubicle shaped generally, most of the things are these cubes and you can buy different things for them, like doors or baskets or whatever. And because they're cubes, you can, you know, put them in any configuration you want. But the really cool thing about these is that they come in different depths. So in my van, which I use these IKEA things, they go right around the wheel well, but on the inside, they look like they're the same depth. So even though the wheel well is getting eaten up by these cabinets, it it has a nice professional look. And and that's kind of a cool thing about this. It's the only line of cabinets I know that has different depths other than the custom kitchen cabinets. But you're talking about a lot of money there. The other thing about these is that they're not made out of that material. They're made out of this honeycomb, which is lighter, although they're not that light, but still lighter and better capable of handling all those things like water and um, they're not brittle. I've had them in the van for over a year now, and they've performed well. They do need to be reinforced. They, The way they're attached, there's no Allen wrenches, <laughs> believe it or not, this is an Ikea thing with no Allen wrenches. They kind of snap together, kind of with the slot and tab method of construction, which works fine, but it does flex a bit, so I recommend you put L brackets where you can to secure it. And another thing about these is that they have a magnetic latch that I find doesn't hold very well in a vehicle. So you need to come up with some other way to latch it. That's probably their biggest drawback. I'm using storm window screen latches on mine, and that seems to work well. I just open them when I'm using the cabinets, when I'm stopped, and then I close them when I'm driving. But of course you have to remember to do that anyway. I know people have a lot of mixed feelings about Ikea, but if you're looking for a pre-made cabinet solution that has different depths, which can be very useful, I highly recommend you take a look at Eket. It's not the cheapest thing they have, but it might be the solution you need for that weird space in your van. Okay, a place to visit. I love this place. I've been there a bunch of times, and uh, it's amazing to me that more people don't know about it. It's in Connecticut. And it's called Gillette castle. I would like you to picture Sherlock Holmes there you have Sherlock Holmes in your mind. No, not the new Sherlock Holmes, not the sexy fighty Sherlock Holmes, the old Sherlock Holmes. There you go. Now you've got the right image. That Sherlock Holmes with that double billed deerstalker cap and the pipe, that image was created by a man named William Gillette on the stage. Sherlock Holmes was a stage production in the United States and this guy made his fortune doing this. He was an actor and what he did with his fortune was very interesting. On a bluff overlooking a river, he built a castle, a ruined castle as it happens, only partially ruined. And he set up a wonderland up there and he made it his home and it's a very unusual home. He had a railroad running around it just for fun. He has, on the inside, it's decorated in a very unusual way. He wasn't a big fan of traditional decorations, so he had his own style. But every lock on every door is a different puzzle. They're all wooden doors, and the way you open them is a different puzzle. Now, I don't mean the kind of puzzle you have to solve. I mean the kind of puzzle like a Rube Goldberg puzzle. And you can tour this guy's house and see how he lived and see all these really unusual things. I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but I am going to tell you that it is a lovely day trip. There is a hidden dragon. I kid you not. There is a hidden dragon to find. And learning about this man's life and the impact he had on the Sherlock Holmes story. How he basically created the Sherlock Holmes that we've seen is all fascinating. And if you do go there, and I do recommend you do, I want you to come from the West and take the ferry across. There's a little tiny ferry. It costs like five bucks. It's the tiniest little ferry in the world. And when you're on the ferry, you can look up and see this castle on a cliff hanging over the river. It's just one of the coolest things. And it's in Connecticut. So check it out. That is Gillette Castle. Links in the show notes. Uh, Gillette is spelled like the razor, so it shouldn't be too hard for you to find. Okay, resource recommendation. I, in my hand, hear this? Yes, listen. I have a magazine that's no, a catalog. I have a catalog in my hands, a paper catalog, and that's what I'm recommending to you today. It is the American Van Catalog. It's free. You can go to americanvan.com and request a subscription. And this catalog is for commercial vans. Basically, every accessory you could add to your commercial van is in here. Roof racks, cabinets, doors, all kinds of really weird unusual things. And while it is not meant for van life per se, there are some great things in here and some interesting ideas. Like they have computer holders for the front seat. They have desks, like desks that are made to fit into a van, which is useful. All kinds of cabinets, but you know, again, this is meant for commercial stuff. So the cabinets are made out of steel, which may not be what you want. Roof racks galore, center consoles of various kinds, LED lights. And one of the things I find the most valuable is that they have partitions. If you're looking for a partition, this might be a great start. Now, the prices are not super great um, because, again, they expect they're selling to businesses. But I recommend you get a subscription. It doesn't cost you anything. It comes once a month or so. And you might find something in here that's going to make your build a lot easier. And it will help you learn things like terminology or how those hockey puck locks work and just maybe you are looking for a solid steel interior of your van. Some of the things they sell are like, there's a five gallon bucket holder that attaches to the wall of the van. Now, I don't know why you would need to attach a five gallon bucket to the wall of your van, but somebody listening to this has just had a light bulb go off over their head and realized that's the solution to their problem. <laughs> Good luck to you. I don't know what you're doing, but it sounds like fun. So that again is American Van at AmericanVan.com. Get the subscription. And I hope it gives you some ideas to improve your build. And now the question everybody wants the answer to, why am I thinking about another van? So I've spent tons of time building out this NV200, and I've traveled all over the country in it, and it's pretty comfy. I really don't have any major issues with it. But I do have some issues. The biggest issue I have is that I really, really hate taking down and making up the bed. I just, I don't enjoy that. And I would really like a comfortable place to be able to sit and work on my computer. And while I can do that, everything in a small van like this requires you re-manipulating things and moving things around and all that kind of stuff. So I would like a bigger van. And here's my thought processes on the bigger van. I don't want a huge van. I still live in Chicago. I still have to park this thing on the street. So I am looking for a shorter wheelbase van and a low top. These are fairly easy to find. That's the easiest van to find, actually. And in what kind of van? So I have been enamored with the Promasters for a long time because I like their front-wheel drive. I like the way the dashboard feels. I like how wide they are. I can put a bed crosswise, maybe, because they're six feet wide where the other vans are all narrower. But man, finding a used one that's in decent shape is tough, and I've been following in the forums, and it seems like they do have some significant problems. I, of all the vans I follow, the Promasters seem to have the, they're the ones where the engine just suddenly explodes, and um, I'm I'm a little afraid of that. You know, they they're built by Fiat, and they have a Chrysler engine in them. So, hmm. so then what? Well, I don't like Chevys. I I don't have any logical reason for that, other than I worked on cars in the 80s, and I was terribly disappointed with how General Motors cars were built. I mean, man, they were garbage. And I know they're much better now, but I still have that prejudice. So no Chevys. But that leaves the Transit. Well, also, it leaves the Sprinter. I, I can't afford the Sprinter, and I don't want to afford the Sprinter. So we'll just write off the Sprinter. But that leaves the Fords. So the Transit really doesn't interest me, but it, you know it's a solid vehicle. I just don't like them for some reason. In the back of the Transit, it just feels really tinny. But I could make it work, and so I thought about that. And then I thought about a Ford Econoline. Now, Econolines haven't been made since 2014, so it would be an older vehicle. But I was thinking price-wise, that might be the sweet spot. If you could get a low-mileage 2014 Econoline parts would be cheap, accessories are plentiful, it's a good size van, it's a solid platform. I mean, they really haven't changed the thing in like 25 years. No, it's not as sophisticated, and maybe the gas mileage isn't quite as good. But eh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to get. But I would like something a little bit bigger, and what the heck, why not do it? Okay, folks, that is episode 28. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you had as much fun listening to this as I had making it. Music, as always, is by Simon Wag, a.k.a. Sir Mooj. And until next time, remember that there's no point in living a life that somebody else has already lived. Go do something new.